You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast. I'm John, I'm your host for tonight, and tonight joined by Scott, who returns after a couple of weeks off. Uh, one week off it? Was it just one week? Uh, it was just one week, yeah. Feels like longer for some reason. Um, but I how you uh, doing? I'm good, thank you, yeah. Can't complain. Um, so Tony tonight, he can't make it. Um, something's come up and we were hoping to have a guest on tonight. But again, unfortunately, um, he's handed in a sick note. So it should hopefully be on next week. So just the two of us. So see how it goes. Keep it interesting. Um Plenty to talk about. So. Aye, there is plenty to talk about. So we've got European action, we've got the stuff at the weekend, Scotland women's team, the West of Scotland football league returning, Scottish Cup coming up at the weekend, and then obviously there's Europe to come, but we'll probably talk about that in the context of the European games from last week, first of all. So, I'll be honest, I caught the last half hour or so of the, the Rangers match. Um, didn't really see much else of it. I don't know about yourself, but I thought Rangers were pretty convincing from what I seen in the half the half hour, the last half hour certainly. I think it was another kind of typical Steven Gerrard Rangers performance in Europe. Um although they did kind of one step better in the group stages and got an away win. Um I think the the goal, the first goal coming when it did settled a lot of nerves. Um I think there was a there were there was a Weariness about Standard Liège, um, what they could bring to the table. I think once Rangers took the lead, I think they then started playing their own game plan and stuck to it. And I think that's something that Gerard needs uh, a lot of credit for when it comes to European Rangers. I think too many times before, Rangers were too defensive and didn't do what they did. And, you know, they, they did take games by the scruff of the neck, neck in Europe. And I think under Gerard, that's changed. And then an absolute belter of a setting goal. Um, absolute world, world AI. So um, it's, it's 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 funny because you know I, I followed Rangers as a supporter and non as as a non supporter pretty much most of my life and I don't think I can remember them being consistently this good in Europe. Um, they obviously had 92-93 and they almost got all the way to the final. They got all the way to the final uh, to the UEFA Cup under Walter Smith. They've had a few decent seasons. Le Guin seemed to do okay in Europe as well. But consistently over a, a good few years, I don't think they've been this good um, since I've been watching Scottish football. So... And it's good, and I think now you're starting to see the confidence that they get from that into the league, where they're becoming more assured um, and more consistent in the league as well. Yeah, I think now the thing is with Rangers in Europe, it doesn't become a surprise when they get a win like this. Whereas maybe in the past it would have been a surprise, because standards record at home into 15 matches unbeaten at home in Europe. Um, and you just have to remember where they've come from in terms of just the season before, Gerard took over. It was the Kishinya um, progress debacle, and to come over. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to to get from that stage 
to where they're now expected almost to beat decent teams away from home is, you know, it's, it's an outstanding accomplishment. And they got a rare opportunity to play in front of fans as well, because it was fans in Belgium. Yeah, and I, I, I remember Neil Doncaster saying that that would be a kind of disadvantage because Raiders and Celtic would both have to go away and play against fans and stuff like that. But there's not enough fans that it's going to cause any sort of distraction, I don't think. And it's not the type of atmosphere that's going to phase Rangers, you know, and that's the that's the thing. Rangers and Celtic will go away from home and into small grounds and they'll the fans on top of them and against them. And the fans aren't on top of them, they're spread out. And so I, I, that was never going to be an issue. Yeah, the only issue was the argy-bargy at the end of the match. When a standard coaching staff weren't too happy with Ruth's celebration, thinking it was something different to what it was. Sometimes emotions catch up with the best of us. Um, I think it's always a, it's always a fine line. I think when you look at the goal, you can see why people are celebrating. You can see why people think this is amazing. But at the same time, I think a team's then hurting and then it kind of just boils over because one team's hurting, one team's euphoric and then it just it's a slight tad bad mix, especially at the end of the game. But you know, these things happen, you know, all over the all over the world. So that you know, I don't think that's anything to worry about. Yeah, it's quite interesting to go as well because Standard had just had a chance whereby if the boy controls it, he probably would have scored. And then you're thinking Ruth's just going to be take it into the corner, waste a wee bit of time, but then it's about three men and then just... <laughs> yeah, well... Uh, it even, you know, it's only a glance as well. It only has a wee glance at it and go, hits it. Sometimes when you play football, and you know, I've very much never to that standard, but you know yourself when you've played any sort of football and you've beaten one player and you've beaten another player and you think, do you know what? I'm actually... Luck's with me, so I'm going to hit a shot. And he's basically had a glance, hit the shot, and it's just been perfect. I wasn't too sure about the goalkeeper and his positioning, but, you know, that's probably been um, slightly magnifying a, a, an issue that's not, not really an issue in any other circumstance. Yeah, he's probably just thinking as well, it's the end of the match and something like that. There's no chance of that happening as well. well yeah, exactly. By that, but um, aye, ahead of next week, we well, this week coming, we've got Lick Poznan. I suppose that they've come out all talking saying they're going to attack Rangers and test out their defensive record, so could be interesting. But you would, I would expect Rangers should win just going by the performances that they've had. But yeah, it's all very well teams saying that, and then they get to Ibrox. I know there's no crowd, which makes it slightly different. But you get to Ibrox, it's a huge stadium. So even with no fans, it's still intimidating. It's on top of you. And all you do sometimes by going all out is create space behind. And you've got Morelos, you've got, you know, either Barker or Jones, I would imagine. You've got Kent. You then get Barisic and Tavernier in the, the two wide positions. You know, it's easier said than done actually to go out and attack and then take the game to Rangers in that sort of situation so we'll wait and see yeah. I think in Europe mind you he likes Hadji doesn't he it suits him more the European game yeah I, th- I think that's the other thing if you play with space 
in behind, if you're trying to attack Rangers and Hadji gets hold of the ball, he's the one that's going to slip through passes into Kent or Morelos or, um, say, Roof. And that's going to invariably cause an attack on goal. So you've got to be wary of that. And Rangers, this is the thing, with under Gerard Rangers are so equipped for Europe for the different circumstances. If they have to break down a team, they can do it. If they have to go on the counter, they can do it as well. So I, I don't see I don't see Rangers being particularly bothered by that approach um, or that intent, um, and it'll be different on the night anyway. Yeah, the one thing as well that Gerard's been good at managing as well was the rotation on the side as well this season. Players kind of there's, coming in and out, and there's lots more well. strength. There's lots more strength and depth. Um, Defoe may not be in the European squad, but we saw on weekend that that doesn't seem to bother Defoe. Um, he gets game time in the league. So you've got, um, we'll mention this um, once we'll talk about the Rangers game, but I think Calvin Bassey um, in the last couple of games has shown himself up to be a really good replacement if Barisic gets injured or suspended. Um, very much more defensive-minded. Um, so, yeah, and you've got McLaughlin and McGregor, both top keepers for for what you need. Um, so you, you could balligan in for Highlander, all these sort of things. And we're still seeing that Rangers are still scoring goals and they're still not conceding. So he's, he's really got a squad just to, together just now that are playing as a team and are hard to break down and hard to stop scoring. Yeah, and then he's got Jory Bullpark from injury, and even the likes of Barker and Jones that you mentioned earlier are doing well when you look, they look like probably they were going to be fringe players. Yeah, and they've got some... opportunities and doing well. The midfielders are performing really well. I thought Kamara against Celtic was one of the best performers, if not the best performer. And then against Livingston, everything was going through Stephen Davis who just kind of dictated the whole entire game plan. So, yeah, the strength and depth for Rangers is um, really good just now. But the biggest positive is they're all playing really well just now. If you look at Celtic, they've got strength and depth, but it's not it's not coming together. I well, we've spoken about it. I mean, even up till maybe a couple of weeks ago, I think we were both of the opinion Celtic were still favourites for the league. They've got a better squad and different things like that, but the squad's definitely getting tested just now. Um, and I suppose you could say maybe they're getting missing key players like Forrest, who I suppose need to take someone away that scored that amount of goals and assists. He's going to be a big loss, Julian as well, but then they have had players come in, spend a bit of money in the summer. It looked like they'd recruited all right. Um, the thing is, I, if, we, if we're looking at Celtic against AC Milan, it's always going to be a tough game. I think AC Milan, top of Serie A, Going into it, um, Zlatan being Zlatan is still a very credible force um, in the top leagues of Europe. Never mind, you know, Europa League. Um, so their their confidence is high. Celtic's is low, and the last twenty minutes, Celtic gave them a real good game. So it, it's a kind of quandary for Celtic. But I think looking at the three, the last three games of this week, is it Lennon that's the problem? 
that seems to be what the Celtic fans are saying, and that's why I'm a wee bit disappointed that Tony's not well, not 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 just that because Tony's good to have on anyway. But I'd like to have found out from him whether or not you know because a lot of the Celtic fans that I see on Twitter and social media and the ones that I know are are pointing their fingers at Len. Yeah, I think even whether it's Celtic fans or non-Celtic fans, you know, like see yourself for me, I would say looking at outside Lennon's trying to blame everyone else. Yeah. Apart from him for like, what's going on. It's the players it, like one it's been the players at one point, it's been referees and different things like that. Whereas And to be fair, the the other person to blame who he's not blaming will be Lobel on the board. But I can see why he doesn't want to blame them because they're the ones who are obviously hiring fire him. Um but it, for me it has to stand with the board and Lennon. Did they bring in the right players at the right time? Yeah, that's something that Tony and me spoke about last week is whether the, I questioned whether there was the correct recruitment um in the summer. If I you, still think the squad looks unbalanced. Well let's let's look at one of the big people that everybody's commented on in the last week. Let's look at Shane Duffy. Shane Duffy was at his best at Brighton when Brighton were a defensive-minded team on the back foot. So they were deep, there were lots of balls into the box, he was making lots of clearances. At Celtic, they don't play that way. They aren't the team on the back foot all the time. As soon as Brighton changed their philosophy, as soon as Brighton brought Potter in to play a bit more higher up the field and a bit more passing football, Duffy got dropped. And Duffy was allowed to go to Celtic on loan. There has to be a reason for Duffy going on loan. Yeah. And I think, you know, I would question, has Duffy gone to Celtic because he's Irish and because there's that connection, because there's that, and because he's a Premier League player, rather than what they actually needed from a centre-back? And, you know, the yes, they've missed Julian and all the rest of it, but Ayer and Duffy really should be good enough. And in the last week, they don't seem to have it. Um, again, strangers, you know, Duffy was like a deer in the headlights for a lot of it. Um, Milan against Aberdeen, you know. Well, Milan, I think that he was a part to blame for one of the goals, if not... You know, and I think it was caught wandering at times as well. Um, against Aberdeen, he just wasn't he wasn't good enough. He wasn't strong enough in the right areas. You know, there's no point going away and hammering somebody on the touchline when he's not going anywhere, really, with Edmondson, and then not really defending your box properly at times. It was a bit of a fly one, that one. So, um, so Celtic, I can see why Celtic fans... Are worried. Um, I don't know, you know, how Lennon's going to change things. To be fair, he has done it in the past. Um, you remember the, the result against Kilmarnock that changed his managerial career. He, but he has to start thinking. You know, another thing is, is he playing the right players at the right time? Dropping Brown for such a big game. Surprised. I was surprised. We've said this before, there is no leader in that team in terms of shouting and getting people up for it, other than when once Brown's not there, Duffy's not the you know, people thought Duffy would be more of a shouter than he is. Um that might come. You know, he's obviously just new to the club. McGregor leads by example. He doesn't he's not the captain of shouting and geeing up players and 
you know, going into tackle, important tackles and starts of games. So it, 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 there's a lot of question marks uh, for Celtic. Um, I think people were talking about Barkas. Too early to comment on Barkas. I, I, I've got no issues with... The, Maybe what was it, the first Rangers goal? There was maybe a, a doubt on his goalkeeping. Maybe he could have kept that one out from Goldson. But apart from you know, and then Bain comes in and concedes three. So it's not and you know, listen, he's conceded two of them are penalties. I know that. So it's not. I'm not having a go at Bain, but it's obviously not there. They then change from three to put four at the back. They to go out the flat back four. That doesn't seem to have worked any better. Um, and it just seems to be a lot of panic and people are very much questioning the, the manager and I don't think that's just the fans I think that could be the players as well or it could certainly go into the players You can see players looking short of confidence I've looked at, like you look at Frimpon last year's breakthrough season his game was all about taking on players getting down the byline he was full of confidence whereas anything I've seen him recently whether it's been against Rangers whether it's in Milan game or Aberdeen he seems scared to kind of go down to the byline. He's constantly caught inside. And the problem is, he's caught in two mains then. And if you look at two of the Aberdeen goals, it stems from the right-hand side, Celtic's right-hand side. The, the pressure in, you know, we should probably just talk about, let's just talk about the Aberdeen game um, anyway, because we're already touching upon it. But the pressure from Aberdeen was fantastic, on, on, especially in those two incidences. He was out of so Frimpong for the second. Um, I don't know if it was the second goal. It was certainly the second time he got caught kind of out of position. One man scored Duffy, right. Rob Duffy. Duffy, yeah, and the pressure on, on Duffy, he goes through. Um, that was fantastic. Uh, and then the first one, again, it was the pressure on that side that Aberdeen win the ball in the middle of Celtic's half and put the ball into the box and win the penalty. It's it's not by it's not by chance. Um Fringpong's better going forward, better at attacking, but at the moment as you say, short of confidence. So he's getting a slightly bit deeper but not deep enough and he's not probably defensive minded enough to be able to make up for his mistakes. Yeah, I don't think either of our fullbacks are probably particularly great defensively. Flats out, I think, looks good going forward. Looks like he'll be a good addition. But I think he's more suited to playing as a wing-back as opposed to a full-back. As yeah. well. So you're looking at, in terms of if you want to expose Celtic at the moment, you can expose him in quite a few different places. Going in behind in the channels or even the centre's pretty soft as well just now. Well, exactly. Massively short of confidence. I don't think teams are scared to play Celtic just now. And there's nobody in the midfield, even, even when you include Brown, there's no ball, ball winner really absolutely protecting that back line. Brown can do it to an extent, but not what you would want from a real true ball winner. Ryan Jack could do it probably at Rangers more than anybody can do it at Celtic, and that would be another kind of concern, because as you say, through the middle they're not strong, and then you've not got anybody even in between to kind of try and harden it up from the midfield position? Nah, they, they've, I think that's been something they've lacked for a long time. Even under when Brendan Rodgers was there and they were in Europe and that was whereby they were moving their test a bit more. I always felt in midfield 
in Europe, they're just going to get annihilated because they don't have that player in there that disrupts the play and is going to do the dirty work. But Plus is... as well, you've got Scott Brown, who is ageing. Um, he's obviously, his influence is massive, so but you've got to have a succession plan in terms of having someone in that maybe can play but, when Brown isn't available. But that, was down, but that was down to Rodgers being too strict and disciplined into just playing his own way in Europe and then never finding, because he didn't need it in Scotland, that's, that kind of player, as you say, breaks up play. They never had it, and now Neil Lennon needs that player in the Celtic scouting team and the transfer, uh, you know, the people that buy the players have not got that player for them. And that's what happens. And it's interesting uh, when we're talking about their defence, how well Jack Henry's doing in Belgium. And, you know, he's had a good, really good start to the season. It's only been about four games or something. But they've then got rid of him on loan, brought in Duffy on loan, and it's just not worked out yet. Now, that could totally change. And I think Duffy will probably become good to a certain extent, but he's not going to get any faster. And he's not going to get any more assured when he's on the ball. So that these are things that are going to keep on getting highlighted at certain points of the season. Yeah, I mean, certainly when I seen that Celtic team yesterday and I seen Scott Brown wasn't in it, my eyes lit up. I thought that midfield, they've got no one in there that's going to... Well, I said that as soon as the group the chat. As soon as I seen the team, I put it in the, the group chat for the the podcast. Um, that that was the the big thing that drew my eyes was that Brown wasn't there. Um, I thought I thought it was a very good game, very kind of open and entertaining. Um, but it's interesting that with Brown not there, I thought that was Ferguson's best game against Celtic. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I thought he seemed to be up for everything, um, really in people's faces and things. And, you know, sometimes that's what I'm saying, that that's where Scott Brown can sometimes stop things. Um, not every every time uh, he couldn't stop that. The Celtic was in the midfield battle to Rangers. But sometimes against Aberdeen, you know, he has done it against Rangers quite a few times in the past as well. He's the kind of person who stops the other midfield from playing for whatever reason, whether it's chirping at people for making them kick him or just harrying them off the ball, whatever it is. He can do that sort of thing just to disrupt things in the other team's midfield. And that just never happened, I don't think, against Aberdeen. And credit to Aberdeen's midfield for stepping up and continuing to kind of win certain battles and pressing forward. Yeah, it was a disciplined display as well from Ferguson because it gets booked in the first half as well and you're kind of maybe slightly concerned that um, things can maybe go a wee bit awry because obviously a midfield contest, these types of games, tackles fly in, you think something could happen, but not kept his composure and he's top scorer in the league. A lot of them being penalties, yeah. but he's full of, he, he's full of confidence goals. anyway at the best of times, but I think he's... Eight goals, and if you remember, if you remember, his uncle scored twenty in a season, and he was taking the penalties that season as well uh, for Rangers. So, and his penalties were brilliant. You know, I mean, yeah. two different types of penalties, both fantastic. Um, he's just got a lot of confidence just now, uh, and it's nice to see. And it, he must be, he must be chapping the door. I know it's a hard midfield to get into in Scotland, but he must be chapping that door. I think he offers something to be a bit different as well if he's in that. If it's in the Scotland team, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I also think, because um, we've mentioned them a few times this season, and I don't think McInnes 
was sure on him to start with this term, but I think he has grown into the season as being very uh, accomplished for Aberdeen's Ryan Hedges. Um, I think, you know, it, it just it, it gives them something a bit different going forward and a wee bit of a spark. Um, so I, I, again, enjoyed uh, some of the some of his showing yesterday. It was a lot of pleasing things for me. The fact that we went with the same type of formation, we didn't revert back to like playing a negative formation. I think at times in the first half, I was slightly frustrated. I felt we were giving Celtic a bit, a bit too much time in the ball when you consider the recent games and you know, maybe want to have a, have a go at them. But Marley Watkins, again, offers something really different. Played a slightly different role because Edmondson is the, the main man up front. And Watkins was giving Duffy and Frimpon a, a hell of a time. Um, we're running in yeah. behind. Unfortunately, get a wee kind of twins to his hamstring. So hopefully, he'll be all right for the cup final. Uh, sorry, semi-final. Um, but then you've got Scott Wright coming in and he did basically the exact same job um, running in that channel. And then Cosgrove came on and yep. really bullied them. Uh, so, you know, for McInnes, that's with, with the save, saving Grace, or not saving Grace, the fact that they didn't actually win the game, everything, he ticked every other box. I think his team ticked every other box. Yep. Um, defensively, yeah, probably defensively, there'd be a couple of question marks in terms of how easy it was for Rodgers to play these through balls for both goals um, when there's that many men there. But Rodgers can do that against better, even better opposition than us. Um, and he he always, especially seems to do it against you, though. I don't know. I as soon as I see him, seeing him in the team sheet as well, you're thinking, "Oh dear." Um, but yeah, lots of positives, especially as I say with the semi-final to come next week. I think another kind of negative, um, if I'm searching for them, would be Hoban's penalty. Um, conceding that, I think he was lazy or tired. Or there was. It's just a kind of, he needs to do a wee bit better, he needs to be a bit more cute. You know, if he's not going to win the ball, then take the player to the byline rather than just sticking a leg out and getting caught like that. I just thought it was a bit clumsy. Aye, maybe it's a wee bit of tiredness though. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, and then Celtic, when they did take the lead, which was, you know, if you're going to take the lead, be the last team to take the lead, but they then couldn't hold out. You know, for Aberdeen's last goal, they weren't putting in a challenge in the heart of the midfield. Thankfully, they weren't a challenge in the penalty box. I was well, exactly. <laughs> so, 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 then, so then the ball transitions and gets into the penalty box, and then Christie makes a, a silly challenge. Oh, no, it was McGregor, sorry, made a, a silly challenge because he could have got sent off. Oh, he could have been sent off a lot earlier. Even just, yeah. not, not for any particularly bad fouls, but just he'd been booked just, early yeah, on and then just yeah. persistent fouling. I don't. I don't think. I think giving away the penalty was enough. I'm not saying it should have been sent off. Um, I hasten to add for that particular challenge. But why are they waiting until they get into that position before making the challenge? There was a, a period of five, ten seconds before that that Aberdeen aren't really in that dangerous position. Just bring the player down. Scott Wright's allowed to, allowed, allowed to waltz through, basically. Yeah, exactly. So Just take one for the team at that point, yeah. you'd be thinking, wouldn't you? As soon as he beats one player, take him off, take him down. You know, it, it's it's ridiculous. But fair play to Scott Wright, who came on and had a really good game. 
he did. They just they just couldn't handle him, and that's uh, that was another point that they just couldn't handle him, and he, he got through, and the ball broke, and then you know McGregor makes has to make that challenge. Yeah, but certainly for myself, it was a mixture of emotions anyway in terms of going ahead just before half time, tremendous. At that point, as an Aberdeen fan, you're just like you, you're just like the game just not finished now, um, so we can get a win against them, and then the second half. They scored early on in the second half, and you're thinking, "Oh, here we go." But character, I think this team this season. I mentioned it before in the game against St. Johnson. We've got a bit of character this season, um, and then when we go two one up ahead, Mary Archon in the living room was aye. Uh, it would have been uh, good to be interesting to be found anyway. So at that point, you're thinking, "Aye, I think we could take them," and then we had a massive chance with Cosgrove going through and goal. Um, and I think if he had been a bit match sharper, he would have probably scored it. Yeah. However, Lartzell does well to recover, I should say. And then he did actually have a chance later on as well. So I positives there. It'd be interesting to see whether he'll be tempted to start Cosgrove on Sunday. I suppose it'll maybe depend on the fitness of other players. Because um, obviously McGeek got injured. Not that that would affect playing up front, but it would affect maybe Watkins, whether maybe yeah, he, but... he plays in different things like that, and McCrory, different things like that, which affects positions elsewhere. Um, and then Edmondson, I don't know what the situation will be with him. Um, whether he would start the same or whether he will be tempted maybe to go with Cottesgrove, even if it's just for, I don't know, try and get a good 60 minutes out of him. But then looking at it, flipping it across the Celtics' front line, Griffiths seemed lively, took his goal well. Do Celtic then start with Griffiths? I, I would certainly be more concerned if Griffiths was in the team as opposed to Ajeti. And I think is a good striker. However, the way we play... Um, defensively against Celtic, Griffiths is more likely to get in behind than, than what Jetty is. Yeah, I think Jetty's actually better playing with somebody with him, whether it's Edward or Griffiths. Um, I think sometimes he gets caught by himself too many times when you know, get LOAC or somebody playing off him who's just not that instinctive when he, in that final third. Um, so, but Go back to a four. Do they play four four two? Is that too rigid? Is that? You I don't know, think does... they play a four four two. I don't think they do that. So, so, so then, Ajeti, he takes a big part of his game away. I think because he makes some smart runs, but that really works if you've got an Edward alongside him. Well, he can't pick his best team anyway. And that's it. I suppose it will all depend on whether Edward's available, and even if Edward is available, how, how fit is he? He's not played for a while, so would he be on the bench? Which would be a frightening prospect enough, anyway, for him to be on the bench um, and having that over your, your shoulder. Um, I think as well, Celtic aren't getting the best out of Christie just now because he's having to play in a kind of wider position. Um, so I think there's quite a, a few areas of concern for Celtic, which is. And McGregor showed against Aberdeen he's better going forward, but will he get that chance if he has to play with Neat Chalmers again, you know, or? If he's playing with Brown, you know he's not getting enough going forward, and I don't know. I, I really just do not get it because he can score so many goals in Scotland fight going forward. They've got too many players that want to be in that same area of the pitch. In terms of Christie, Rodrich, McGregor, maybe even in Charm as well. I, I don't see the the hype about in Charm at all. I just, I think, I think the Charm. Is very good on the ball. He can drive things forward. Personally, I think Nietzsche's kind of had his time in Scotland and he's already looking to the next club. 
And I think that's probably detriment to, to his own game. And I think that could cost him a bigger club um, for his next move. But I think he's already thinking away from Scotland. Yeah, I don't think I just don't think he's particularly suited to domestic football. I think in Europe he looks a lot better when he's got a bit more time in the ball and everything like that. But I just think domestically. Well, there was there was one game against Rangers. I think it was two seasons ago now. Where they absolutely dominated the midfield and just Rangers couldn't touch him. Um, I, I think he's one of those players who takes foot off the pedal domestically because he thinks he can, and you know ultimately he can't, and that's why he comes in and out of the team, drifts in and out of the team. Yeah, something else I was quite surprised with Celtic as well in the game. When they were chasing it, it was just like for league substitutions. They weren't trying to do anything different. But it's just striker for striker, it was attacking midfielder for attacking midfielder, it was nothing different uh, at all. Lennon's a bit like that though, he's not too controversial with these substitutions. He's just hoping that you know they're creating chances that the next striker will score them. Um or they're not creating chances but the next attacking midfielder will start creating them. I don't think he's one for being too, you know, let's change to make things easier in terms of pers- personnel changes that are going to change the actual flow of the team rather than what he seems to think is, as I say, it's just a kind of form issue. So we bring on another central midfielder who will do a, the same job but better. So, Yeah. Uh, you, you touched briefly earlier about the four in his goal. Yesterday as well, just instinctive striker. Uh, any any yeah. striker, any striker in Scottish football, and I don't care if you're Odson Edward, Alfredo Morelos, or a 16-year-old coming through the ranks at Aberdeen, or Broth, whoever in Scottish football could learn so much from that goal from Jermaine Defoe. It's keeping your eye on the ball, keeping composed when the ball's in the air, and you've got a goalkeeper coming out, and then taking that one touch finish. Now, it also helps that Tavernier played a perfect ball. And, and it, it was a fantastic ball. And it also helped that Rangers had scored earlier in the game because Livingston are then a slightly more open prospect than they would have been 10 minutes beforehand. But that goal, in terms of the finishing, any, I, I swear to you, any striker in Scotland could learn from that. Yeah, especially the fact as well he's not obviously been pl- been playing it's his first start of the season as well so yeah and it, it just shows that's, you that that's, that's in him it's, it's built within yeah, him it's, that's, it's, yeah. it's just something he's got it's just class in terms of it just, just doesn't leave him obviously and it's just that's instinctive it was fantastic um, our school but, as well was good play from Kent pressing them putting the ball yeah and, uh, and then smart passing from Hadji as well. He got the first uh, ball away, Defoe couldn't finish, came back to him. And instead of, you know, how a lot of people, players, when they get the ball in the box, they instinctively shoot. Yeah. Just because they've got a chance. And he then notices that Aribo's actually better placed and takes it away from everybody into Aribo. And it's a kind of tap in for Aribo. Um, again, Rangers did what they had to do. They scored early, they then took a two-goal lead and then kept a clean sheet. And that's what they've been this season, on the most part, they've been doing what they're meant to be doing. Um, as I said, I, I, I like Bassey as a kind of different 
kind of player from Barisic in terms of defensively. I think he's a lot more. Um, he's, a, he's a stronger prospect um, when Rangers lead to see out games. And I think Gerard's already kind of shown that with bringing him on in big European games and things like that. Um, I, I was really impressed with him. Um, I thought Levy did well. I, I, without being great, I thought they didn't let their heads go down. They still created a couple of chances. They really unlucky not to take that, that chance from Pittman that hit the post. And then it came back to Emmanuel Thomas, who yep. should have stuck it away. Um yeah, I think and, and, I this would be pretty pleased with the way they played, even though they, they obviously never got the result. Did the right. Rangers never had a lot of chances as well? Yeah, the, the, the best tackle of the game was Nicky Devlin. Um, again, who didn't kind of jump in, didn't panic when Jordan Jones was running at him, and uh, he made a really good challenge in the box. Um, you know, it showed people like Callum McGregor how to tackle in the box. So, yeah, I was impressed with Libby um, and impressed with Rangers and the fact that they got another result that they needed to get and put pressure again back on Celtic. So six points now with Celtic's game in hand and it kind of gives Celtic another question. Aye, absolutely. Um, in terms of the other matches that were played, the St. Johnson Dundee United match didn't really offer that much. i seen Mickey Mellon talking about how they just need to maybe take your chances, but they're not creating a lot of chances, I don't think. But I think St. They, John's had the better of the match. St. Johnson created a lot more chances. I think three to Dundee United chances, of which only McNulty's was anything that you'd credit as a a kind of positive chance, you know. Is that the one early on? When he, yeah, he that's the, the kind bar. of... Yeah. So that's, that, that was their best chance, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and if you look at the statistic for crosses, for example, St. Johnson had 30 crosses and Dundee United only had eight. So I think Dundee United will be delighted to come away with a clean sheet from that game. I think Segrist did really well, had three good saves, yeah. um, one really good save to, with his uh, wrists to keep the ball out. Um, it, but that will be a confidence booster for Dundee United just because they kept the clean sheet and because of because we've seen a few times this season where they've been really kind of branted defensively at times. They've just Reynolds seems to be playing decently, but Connolly goes missing too many times. Yeah. Um so I think that'll be a boost for them. St Johnston again they're just not create they're not creating enough clear cut chances. Stephen May had a really good chance, fluffed his lines. He he went at it with his left foot to the near post see at that, that juncture you have to get it onto your right and then curl it into the far post you have to give the keeper more work to do he's, you're not going to give the keeper as much difficulty if you're going to his near post um, and I think that's a big confidence thing uh, for Stevie May he's still not fully confident in front of goal because you have to be more assured take an extra touch bring it onto your right and then curl in at the back post. Um, again, as I said, they created 30 crosses compared to Dundee United's eight. So is there somebody there who's putting away these chances? No, there's not. It's simple as that. There's not. 
somebody who's going to win every header. There's not somebody who's going to put away the, those crosses. And you can see where the, you know, the crosses are coming from. Conway is fantastic. Conway will, will create chances. And Wallerspoon as well. And Wallerspoon as well. Yeah, Wallerspoon had a really good game. But you've just got nobody putting them away. And that's, you know, you, you can't rely on not scoring goals. You know, that's that, that can be a fatal flaw to any team. He had all done. He had done all right a couple of games prior to it, St. Johnson, but I they just maybe whether Hendry they could do with Hendry in there. I think. Playing, yeah. I think it's may may works best beside him the Ross striker, um, as opposed to playing by himself up front. The thing the thing with Hendry though is he seems to be better as a kind of number ten with his back to goal and flicking things on and stuff. Whereas if they're creating so many crosses, you want somebody to be in there as a batting ram to head head of these balls in in the box and, and towards goal and as Henry still young, too young to really compose himself and or not compose himself but impose himself onto other defences to win those headers and actually create shots with those headers and chances with those headers. I think he's better coming deep and flicking them on which isn't obviously what they need right at this, this moment. Um, but as you say May works better with it another forward and I've, I've really enjoyed Hendry as a as a footballer but it's the again he's not create, he's not finishing the chances either and that's the problem yeah well one thing David's not be pleased about though is Bryson get 90 minutes he gets subbed in the 90th minute but in terms of him getting to fitness and he had a couple of chances as well yeah. Bryson so if they can get him fit and working well that's a major asset yeah but he's not going to get you Enough goals. Do you know what I mean he's a he's a good player for midfield? But Cam Davidson has to be worried about scoring goals because that for me that game is two points dropped because they they had the better of the game and that they're they're at home their home form's not been good enough this season. Let's face it. But when you're on top of a team like Dundee United and you're not scoring, that has to be a bit, a bit of a concern. Yeah, I could probably say that for most of the teams in the bottom six, even Dundee United as well. Dundee United haven't been good in terms of scoring. But you have to, you know, you have to put your own shop in order. So for Callum Davidson, he has to be worried about, you know, not ha- having those bits to play with. You know, we're still waiting. Did they not sign a striker in the last day of the window? I from Israel. I don't from know Israel. maybe just waiting so, for a quarantine, maybe. I know he's, yeah, he had to do, do a couple of weeks quarantine and stuff, so maybe he might be the man to, to put away the chances, but we just have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, I think looking when he signed, I don't think he's got a particularly prolific record. So, I don't know if St. Johnson fans should be pinning their hopes on him. You never know, though. Maybe he'll just be perfectly suited for the Scottish game. Um, so, Hibs, again, Kevin Nesbitt, impressing Talk is obviously a candidate for a Scotland call up the way he's progressing as well. Oh, well, I think if you bring Shankland into the Scotland squad, I don't see any reason why he can't. And I'm a fan of Shankland, I think he's done well for Scotland when he's had a chance. I don't see any reason why he can't put Kevin Nisbet in the same kind of bracket. I think he's adjusted to life in the top flight very well. He works really well with uh, Deutsch up front. And then they've got Boyle on the on the right wing. Um, again, another calm, cool customer with a penalty. Um, I think uh, Scotland seems to be perfect penalty kick takers. I just don't know why we don't get more more chances at uh, 
penalty shootouts um, because there doesn't seem to be an, an issue with penalty kick takers in Scotland. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I think his all round play has impressed from the start of the season to, till now. So uh, uh, the only thing I would imagine that's stopping him getting into the next Scotland squad is obviously you've got McBurney, you've got Buck, you have. Um, Griffiths will be in contention. Griffiths will be coming back into contention. You could argue though that Nesbitt should be in the squad, maybe just now in Sailor Shankland. Possibly. Uh, I think the next couple of weeks before the Serbia game will be important in terms of where that comes. Clark, I think, though, does trust players that he knows. Do you know what I mean? I think he knows how Shanklin trains and Shanklin's done okay for him. So I think he is quite loyal to his players. Yeah, I think he is as in well. In that aspect. So, but I think if any, any if we had any injuries um, up front, then I don't think there would be an issue with him calling up Kevin this. But... I think the penalty is outside the box. Um, it's tight. It's I seen, tight. Like, a lot of Warwick fans complain about it on Saturday and Twitter, and I was like waiting to see it myself, but I thought it was pretty tight. The biggest problem, the biggest problem I had with the penalty situation is it's in his own, it's in his own doing. It's not, a, you know, I mean, clear the ball first time. You let the ball bounce. You know the players on top of you, and he's let them through. So whether whether or not it's just outside or it's just inside. There should be no question mark because you should have cleared the ball. So my main problem with the penalty is that it was an absolutely crazy defensive decision. Yeah. Just get rid of it. Just don't don't worry about anything else. Just get it away from your your box. You, why does any defender want the ball to bounce when they've got a player on top of them and they're going? They've now the defender's now facing his own goal. Why do you want that? I just a case I deal with it and ask questions later on it. Yeah, so you, you you've caused you've caused the problem now. Whether or not you're just outside or just inside, yeah, you you can debate that. But there would be no debate had you done your job properly in the first place. Yeah, and he ends up going off later on with what looks like a, a bad injury. I think about him. Yeah, he seemed to fall um, awkwardly, um, to say the least. Um, I hope, hope hope for him and Kilmarnock because I don't think Kilmarnock could do with losing too many players. Um, he has a speedy recovery, um, but yeah, I, I just, I just think you have to. And then you know, Bamba um, has a good chance as well, and it's that kind of fine margin, and you don't take your, you don't, you don't get that luck of the the draw. The keeper Marciano makes a save, or it's kind of clear to the defenders a bit of both, and that sort of type of game against Hibs are doing well just now. You're kind of. Uh, Needing that to go in, but I think I think that was the only time they tested the keeper. Yeah, and I think Hibs did well considering they they they're away team. I think they dominated proceedings. I think Joe Newell had another very good game. In the yeah, he's been part. very good this season. Yeah, he's impressed me because um, a lot it gets made of uh, Gogic and stuff like that. But I think that's given Joe Newell a new kind of licence to get a bit further forward and kind of get hold of the ball. Um, Stephen Marlon being out as well, obviously. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, Stephen Marlon, I thought, should have done better with his chance. He took the wrong side. He went to the keeper's right, where he probably should have went to the keeper's left because there was more um, 
I think he was just trying to be too clever. I think there was a lot more space on that right hand side. It would have been a better, an easier finish. Um, but I think all in all, I think Jack Ross will be happy with that result. I think he'll be happy that again they've grinded out another victory. And they they they, they didn't seem to um, harassed either. No. Um, and then the last game that was on at the weekend, Motherwell Ross County. Tony Watt with his best performance maybe ever. <laughs> um, it's funny because I saw somebody, a Motherwell employee talking about everybody's still mentions if they're ever interviewing Tony Watt or whatever, they always mention that goal against Barcelona and the, the Motherwell person said you can't let that define his career. Well, let's, let's get this straight. Let's get this straight right now. Tony Watt can't let that define his career. Nobody else, it's not it's not up to anybody else. And he hasn't been the same player since that goal. For various reasons, it's hard to live up to that expectation, to climb that same kind of um, mountain. But he's just not been consistent enough elsewhere, especially when he's been back in Scotland. That performance against uh, Ross County at the weekend... That should be the yardstick. That should be he should be working hard every single game, pushing defenders, getting in their faces, putting away chances, running at folk as well, running at folk, yeah, taking on people, getting the ball down, really attacking, getting into the really good positions. Either fine, fine game, um, and Motherwell. I've, I've worried about Motherwell in terms of where they're getting their goals from this season. But going on that, with him scoring, Lang scoring, Cole scoring, and his performance, that's, you know, if you want to change people's minds and stop people asking about Barcelona, you've got to pro- provide that kind of performance every week. Yeah. The one thing is, he's at an age now, he's 26, so he's coming into what should be his peak years. And he has now been at Motherwell for about a season now. I think he yeah. said later on last season. Yeah, I think it was, it was yeah. a bit later on. So maybe that's helping him getting a pre-season behind him a proper pre-season and different things like that because but, but, not only did he score he can set up and he, he looks fitter um, and he's definitely an asset if he can but, but, but we need to, that form but we need to see him doing that a few weeks and it's been hard because obviously Motherwell haven't played in a few weeks so that may be a big benefit to him actually is that he's able to concentrate more on his fitness and things like that um, but he has to now show that for the next few weeks or the next few months that he can do that more often than not. It has to be a consistency. Yeah. On the other side of the scale, Ross County are looking to me just now like they are the favourites for relegation. They're, they're still seventh in the league and there's still good aspects to their game. We didn't just didn't see them enough on uh, Saturday at Fur Park. Um, but it is very concerning that they've not won in the last four games and defensively they've been all over the place um, and they, I think they started up reasonably well against Motherwell and took it kind of to half time um, and they, they had a chance the kind of best chance fell just before half time and that could have totally changed the, the, the game because Motherwell scored early in the second half as well but when Motherwell scored again they kind of just totally dropped off the radar. They kind of just heads dropped. They gave Motherwell too much respect, gave Motherwell too much of the ball. 
Um, and that would be concerning if you're a Ross County fan or Kettlewell, who must be thinking, right, what we're we going to have to do here to change that. That's that's not a, an attitude that a manager wants to see from his players. Yeah, I think aside from the fact that they're leaking goals, as they've only scored one goal in the last six league games. Yeah. Um, Which is alarming. They've got players who will create chances, but again, will they score the goals? A lot was made of Stuart at the start of the season, but you know they're not putting away enough goals. You know, as we said, there's a probably every team in the bottom six is struggling for goals at certain points of this this term. Um, but you have to get out of that kind of rut as quickly as possible. Because as yeah. you say, if they continue to not win games, they will be heading straight into the relegation zone. The thing as well is it's all right having maybe the likes of Stuart there, maybe the likes of Mackay, but creativity. I know it was touched on in sports scene about Gardine, but Gardine's getting on a bit. You can't be dependent on Gardine every week at 34 to be, be your creator of chances, so to speak. I don't really see where your creativity is coming apart from that. Um, There was a young... Is it a Canadian boy? Um, name is kind of dropped off my head. Um, I may not even be Canadian, so that's maybe no help whatsoever. So let me just quickly. The young boy Payton in midfield. Is that who I'm thinking of? Might be, because he's looked all right at times, but I don't know. Well, the point is, um, being a young player, consistency is still going to be an issue. Uh, so, quickly check who I'm talking about. Ollie Shaw. Ollie Shaw is not who I was talking about, but in Billy McKay, uh, are players who could score goals, but again, they're not going to be creators. Yeah, you need the service, that's the thing. Where's the service coming from? Harry Payton, that is who I'm talking about. Yeah. He's looked good on occasions going forward, but again, are you getting the consistency? And is he going to provide that colour pass? That's the, the kind of key question. Um, I thought, though, go back to Motherwell, Devante Cole's goal was very reminiscent of his dad's kind of goal. So you would take a nice kind of touch and on top of the keeper, good back pace, and then a, a comfortable finish. So it kind of reminded me of the 90s in that goal. Um, but, you know, that's the kind of result Motherwell really... Couldn't have asked for a better result coming back from not playing for a while um, and kind of solidifying the kind of recent results. Yeah. Um, so the Championship, the lower leagues got a second week underway. Disappointed sports team didn't continue to show the, the goals, at least in the Championship, which they did the first weekend, but that's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't get why there's no, if, even if it's not BBC, although it should be, why, why the SPFL don't have a YouTube page dedicated to centralising all the highlight packages from the club's kind of um, TV right uh, TV deals, um, their own TV companies. Uh, another win for Hearts. Um, it's the five teams that are doing well. Did Fairmont, yeah. a few of us tipped to do well, but Wraith, Wraith yeah. eight goals in two games. And just having a go after two minutes from Matthews is always going to be 
And then obviously they conceded a couple of minutes later, but then we're back in the lead. So they're obviously really impacting at the right times because you, you're causing, you don't want to give the opposition team enough time to think, well, we've got back in the game, let's stamp our authority. So to retake the lead, I think it was very important. Yeah, um, as well, right, as they've been used to winning because last season, obviously, they were. Or in most of the games, and then Queen of the South strolled last season. So yeah, that was one of the reasons why I sometimes. thought that's one of the reasons why I put Rare kind of mid table. I think on my predictions because they had that kind of winning mentality. Um, Dundee is probably an important win for them because uh, especially after um, they had to pick the ball out of the spam box. Um, <laughs> as Laurie, as Laurie said um, after the, the big defeat against Hearts. So, aye, Laurie, think, Laurie's lucky he brought down Easter House other day in Northern D. <laughs> yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he would have survived if he broke down in Dundee. Um, as you say, Dunfermline did well. Um, and the big match of the weekend was in with S and the which finished 1 0. Well, that's, that's always going to happen. Um, a late goal, but you know, they seem to be quite uh, evenly matched, to be honest. So I don't think there'll be much complaints. There'll always be some complaints. But I don't think there'll be much over the, the, the result. Yeah, it was a game we picked as the for the, the predictions, and I'm pretty sure that was on that Tony got right. So one all. Um, I think it was because I basically Tony get one correct score, but he got his that correct score, which gets three points. And Ali got two correct outcomes, but you only got a point for a correct outcome. So, so another victory wins. for the podcast, aye. <laughs> um, with that. Yeah, it was that game that Tony picked as 1 Um And even though Ali predicted Cove and just a struggle this season, he did back Cove to beat Peterhead 2 1. So he was on the thing to finish 2 0 that game. Yeah. Um, and. It- that's what, again what we were talking about with uh, Rafe Rovers. I was more insistent upon with Cove Rangers. I thought they would jump at the chance of getting into this league and getting a bit getting about those teams with that winning mentality, that confidence. And yeah, and I, I, I got a very fine two 0 away performance to Peter, against Peterhead. Will do their confidence no good, then no no harm whatsoever. Only team as well already with two wins. Not like yeah, it. and it shows you how tough that league's going to be. Falkirk dropping two points at home to Farfar. Partick Thistle getting the first three points of the season at Airdrie. Um, I don't know if your boy Robert uh, or Robert um, came on, did he? Oh, I don't know. He's not my, my boy, but I remember I did mention him the other week. Um, yeah, he did. He came on, but didn't do much. So... And then the other game was his fight for Montrose, which finished 2-0. It's going to be a, a, a tough one, that, that, that league. And so it's the same for League 2 as well, actually, because they're just... Um, Elgin, is it? They've won two games in that one? Oh, yeah, and you could be right, yeah. They're the only ones with the 100% win record. Yeah, the, the two wins out of two. The surprise was uh, Kildon Beef being Edinburgh City with 10 men. Uh, yeah, uh, it's 
sometimes it happens when you, you find when put teams are down to ten men, they suddenly start playing well defensively, and then the deeper the game goes, they set a wee bit of confidence and get a goal, and then they've already defended well f- up until that point. So now they just double their efforts to keep out hold of the win, and I would imagine that's what happened away to Edinburgh City for Cowden and Beef. I it's interesting because you hear full-time teams practicing with 10 against 11, but you'd imagine part-time teams don't get that chance to do that. No, but, you know, you've played football yourself, and when you're a man down, you do seem to be running about more, and the longer it goes on level pegging, the more confidence you get from it. Um, and I think that that's clearly what happened, um, because, you know, that's a fantastic result for Cowdenbeath. Yeah. Um, Aaron and Strano Ardu won all. That was a game that we picked as well for that league. Ali went 2 0 with that, so he was unlucky because he got the draw. Um, Queen's Park got a win at home against Albion Rovers. Yeah, you know, that's an important victory for them as well. Um, so, two early goals um, kind of killed that game off by the looks of it. But they yeah. were definitely on top when it came to chances. They signed uh, Jose Katongo's son as well last week. Roger? Yeah. Yeah. I know he's got a two, but aye. I don't know what's happening with... Uh, I know they signed Simon Murray, but he wasn't in the squad at the weekend, so whether he's maybe got an, got an injury or that. Because you would thought he would have been starting. Yeah, well, given the, 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 the kind of press that they got for signing him, you would have thought he'd be in the squad. So... We need to do obviously the predictions for this weekend. So you want to take a turn for the team this week? It's like I have to, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so seeing as we're in link to just now talking about it, we will go with let me see. I reckon let's go Edinburgh City and Elgin City. Alright. Mm. One each. Go one each. Yeah. Well, I know that we've just bigged up Elgin, the only team with the theory, but I think that league's going to be tough and people will drop points and pick up points, various kind of periods of regularity. So let's see what all. I would agree. Plus, I would say Edinburgh City are one of the better teams as well as Elgin. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's a fair enough shout. Um, in terms of League 1 I don't know if I want to go with Cove Rangers again because we had them last week but the tie that looks interesting to me is Cove Rangers and Partick Thistle with Cove coming up Partick Thistle going down Aye, I think that will go with that Right, so because remember you've just put me on the spot Yeah So let me just check are you checking? I'm just checking. It's a cover at home. I, I cover at home, I. Um, ooh, cause I really, right, okay, this is heart more than head. I'll go 1 0 Partick Thistle. Go 1 0 Partick I know you've got a soft spot for Partick Thistle. Yeah, so I'll go heart over head. And then I shall have a real look at the championship and see what I fancy in terms of picking from there. Let's see, what will we go for?
wouldn't be against Wraith Novas. Hmm. Right, okay. I'm going to... I know Wraith has started really well, and I have a wee soft spot for Wraith Rovers as well. But I'm going to go 2 0 Dundee. 2 0 Dundee, right, okay. Right. So, game's up at so Championship. We've got Dundee against Wraith Rovers, and you've gone 2 0. Like one, we've got Cover Angels against Party Thistle, and you've gone 0 1. So, Party Thistle to 1. And then, like two, Edinburgh City against Elgin City, 1 0. Yeah. So we will shall see what Ali comes up with as he tries yeah. to get back to. Right, I'll be the first one to today. drop. I'll be the first one to drop points for the podcast. I like right. that confidence. I I think Tony <laughs> said the same last week as well. Um, aye, it's a it's a tough one with the scoring system. I think I think Ali was slightly unfortunate with the scoring system, but aye, correct score is always worth an extra point. I think. Oh, aye, definitely. But I think we've given it two extra points, so. Uh, but I never, I never made the scoring system it was good John that did that so uh, I blame him for that oh well it's worked to our advantage so we won't yep, play exactly <laughs> to, to be fair I don't know if he would announced that before the weekend because I'd put, this, I'd put thought, I'd check the scores and I went to John I went oh, so what's the situation uh, here and he goes hi uh, 21 3 points for a, a correct result ok right no problem so, just if Ali starts complaining Ali was pretty quiet last week he never actually said anything he could be in the half was brings it up to the, the SFA or whatever whoever the, the arbitrator is yes um, so we finally got started at the weekend with uh, the West of Scotland League um, rightly or wrongly whichever way we want to look at it there's teams that want to play and it got going so there were some interesting fixtures or some live streams getting done various places in Dovo were doing a live stream um, they featured in View from the Terrace as well on Friday. Could we feature? It's pretty good. One of the bigger teams to have stayed in the competition. Um, so, how did they go on? I, I, I've not been able to keep I've been working all weekend, so I've not kept in. They won 3 0 against yeah. Rob Roy. So, early on, Beath and Rosvale were 1 0. Ben Bob and Cumberland, 3 1 to Cumberland. Um, Trude beat Bonington 3-0 Clydebank beat Logs so there's obviously there's only 15 teams there were 7 fixtures team got rest just bizarre uh, the one uh, I was listening to, I don't know what's happening because other teams I've seen Pollock have loaned out a few players I think from what I read some of the conference teams they've released all the players the ones that have taken a year out um, I think Whitlitz basically just said well your players are free to go Talbot, the situation. I know I listened to a podcast with Tommy Slow and he was like they have had interest for players, but they're waiting to see what the situation will be. So it's an interesting one. Players' contracts and stuff like that. I think loans could be a good way of doing it if teams are willing to take up the wage, um, and then they can decide again towards the end of the ne- this season what they're going to do next season. Yeah. It's maybe tougher for some of the smaller teams in terms of players that maybe they can a lower level, but Talbot players will certainly be well in demand. Same as Pollock, Glens. I think a lot of the Glens players have maybe, uh, maybe, maybe going to St Cardiff's because after an old manager, he's going to St Cardiff's. Right, so that, yeah, that makes sense. So that could be the case there. And then I don't really know what's happening with Cumnick in terms of their players and stuff like that, but uh, it should be interesting to see what happens. Because um, already in 
that double game that actually get switched. It was supposed to be Rob Roy. And right. he got called off and then thankfully Rob Roy agreed to go to double instead. Otherwise so, we would have been talking about October and games getting called off already. So why was it taken away from Rob Roy's where was it? Warlock, but it's the end of it because the weather was quite bad. Oh, right uh, yeah, uh, and then Rob Roy play it. I think play it, it come my old. So, so it's just. And it's, uh, I've been there when it's where it's, it's not, it's not good. But that, so, aye, first weekend and see what happens. We've had some thoughts on it already in terms of whether the the season will get to be completed or, or what will happen. So. I think if teams are willing to take part and they know from the get-go they're not going to get promotion or relegation showers then you know let let them let them be I don't think then whether it, whether the season finishes or not makes any difference yeah, I think I mean. there's still going to be promotion potentially to tier 5 right below that there's not going to be any promotion um, which obviously teams are kind of not happy about and there is still the possibility we've got the deadline of 15th of November where teams can still withdraw without any penalty so whether we might see that happening I don't know it's just very odd but, uh, but um, yeah once we get Donald on who's a West of Scotland expert he maybe give us a few more insights he might, he, he might have a bit of insight to what's going on with that um, I know he's a bit like you and he likes uh, Talbot, so... Yeah, he kind of covers, I think he covers the games as well, he's a report, I think, so... Yeah. Aye, uh, should be interesting. No, you're not beginning to cover any games just now. Unfortunately not, although I, I don't know that, as I said, um, before we started the podcast, he has been down to Carlisle um, a few months back, I think, maybe now. Uh, yeah, for one of the get, Eng- English non-league games. He's trying to get to our game, I think, next month, or maybe even high next month as well, but see what happens. Um, the other thing I was going to touch on, you know, just briefly, because um, I remember my second catch given the Friday was the Scotland women's team. So they won 3 now against Albania. Good result. Our, still our best national team. Um, so, you know, I, I think... We kind of take our eye off the ball slightly, especially when the men's team are doing reasonably well and there's a chance of qualification. But the women have been consistently better for the last four to five years. Uh, So I think they deserve um, more attention from our media, certainly. Um, It's hard without fans anyway. Um, So hopefully... Some stage next year they'll play at Tyne Castle in front of a, a big crowd, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, definitely. And they've got our second fixture tomorrow night against Finland, which will be a bit of a tougher game, but the Scotland women teams are favourites to win it. Fingers crossed. Good luck. Um, I think we've probably covered everything, actually. We've been quite succinct as well for a change. Well, it's, it's a change for me being on the podcast and <laughs> quite, quite succinct. But uh, so uh, maybe it's just the uh, Monday blues or something like that. As the weather gets a wee bit depressing as well. Not that we can really go out and enjoy outside much. So see, you know, Celtic at the moment, right? Have they got the blues? 
Yeah. Is that, is that, 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 that could have been uh, that maybe maybe we won't have Riff is on fire with a podcast <laughs> podcast title. Uh, Celt- have Celtic have Celtic got the blues. Have Celtic got the blues. You could have saved that for next week, Tony. <laughs> uh, Tony, Scott even. Uh, well, we don't know what they're going to do next week. Uh, so the way of... Uh, I suppose the only, the only thing we haven't covered is the other Cup semi-final. We haven't. Because um, we, we did touch Celtic Aberdeen. That's, I think the Hearts and Hibs is an intriguing one because I don't think Hearts will get anything to lose. And they are, yeah, they are... Really seem determined to ram a few points down people's throats, as Laurie, as we've already told, uh, mentioned, uh, improved already. And Hibs, I think the pressure's all on Hibs because they've started the season well, they've got a good squad. But, you know, these are the type of games, even last season, that Hearts seem to pick themselves up for. Yeah, and it maybe shows the strength of the Hearts team as well when so far this season. I think Stephen Naismith started both games in the bench. Yeah. Um, I, even, I don't even think he's featured yet this year. He's not come off the bench. So that shows you maybe the, the talent in their squad this season. And if you, you know, if you look at the, the team, they are a, a premiership team that are playing in the championship. And, you know, people will kind of look at it in the sense that they weren't kind of given a chance to save themselves from relegation, but Boyce up front, they had Walker, they've got Halliday in there. Kingsley. They've got Kingsley back. Halkett uh, at the back. Pescu looked good when he was at St Mirren. Halkett was beside him. Craig Gordon, number one again. Um, You've got Peter Heron as well, who was on the bench. Craig Wyatt comes off the bench and scores a goal. Yeah. Friday against yeah. a bro, so you so that that is a premiership team, effectively. You know, that they would probably they've probably got more firepower than a lot of the bottom six. Um they've got a point to prove. I think it's very much gonna be pressure on Hibs to show their superiority. And I don't think it, I don't think it's gonna be an easy game for them. What is your prediction for the final then? Who's getting through? <sighs> it really it really should be Celtic Hibs based on kind of positions in league tables and stuff like that. But it would not surprise me if it's Hearts Aberdeen. That would do me. Um Edward's a big call. Yes, yeah, massive. If Edward, you know, because Edward can be huge in these sort of games. Um, so, yeah, it's probably a bit on the fence saying that. I but think Celtic's record at Hamden as well. No loss there since 2016. But then, when was it? At some point. Maybe, maybe no having any fans there or hell, Barbadi. But then, 2016, you know, it, you know, how many times did they go and beat Aberdeen? Usually, and then they draw three each. These records, I always see with these records that they're, they're there to be broken. You yeah, know, I, I, would, I would, I would, never fear them if I was at another team. I don't, I, I don't, I don't see the point of that. You always take on the next game as being different. Um, Cosgrove could be a big um, difference if he starts and he's fit. Um, 
um, for Aberdeen. Aberdeen are confident. I've been really impressed with Aberdeen since uh, the Rangers game. I thought they were crap against Rangers the first game of the season. But ever since then, I've been very good um, on the most part. in a way, Yeah, it kind of that and then the COVID situation probably made Aberdeen a lot more um, resilient. Resilient and more of a team and wanting to show everybody else up. Um, so, we even getting spoken about as being the most entertaining team in the league just now. Wouldn't go that far. Don't know if I'd go that far just yet. Um, I, but I think entertaining maybe because of the, the other end as well with the Motherwell game and then what happened. In, yeah, possibly. Like, possibly. Um, um, but. So let's just let's just go all out kamikaze style Aberdeen and Hearts for the okay. final. That'll do it. That'll do nicely. So I uh, well done for reminding me about not talking about the Hearts and Hams game. Even though I had said at the start we will cover the semi finals. Just testing you. It was just, just, just luck right at the end. I thought, oh, there was still one more thing to discuss. Colombo, Colombo. I mentioned Colombo <laughs> last week as well, actually, for some reason. Um, but yeah. Oh, and we did uh, want to mention about Ebbsville. Oh, yeah. Um, I think for you, it will be better to discuss Ebbsville than me. But I just remember him coming, bringing a lot of decent players to Aberdeen. They didn't all click, um, probably the way he would have wanted um, all at the same time. But I was very entertained. He seemed very um, honest um, as a football manager. Seemed to fall in love with Aberdeen, um, the city and the club. Um, and I'll always remember the, the fateful... In a way, for me, it was good because it was against Rangers when I was a, a huge Rangers fan. Um, and Jim Leighton got injured and he was replaced by Robbie Winters uh, but it's it's kind of it was kind of funny because it kind of summed Scovdale up he was a bit quirky he was a bit um, yep. unlucky uh, at Aberdeen I think um, it, it came in at a time as well whereby we didn't have much money that didn't help um, in terms of the situation because he, he was a really good manager at Bromby he was but you look at some of the players that he, he did bring through or help progress, and I thought, you know, at the time, I always liked Phil Maguire, always liked Robbie Winters, always liked um, Russell Anderson, um, and then he brought in um, Stavrum, Cato uh, Guntfe, uh, is that uh, how you say his name? Zero uh, Ali as well, will be. Yeah, uh, Hisham Zero Ali. Um, Bisconti. Roberto Bisconti, yeah. Um, he was one of the best midfielders when he was at, uh, in Scottish football when he was there. Um, for my, uh, for for my opinion, anyway. Um, so, uh, famous coach as well. Obviously, the statistics are many, like many Scots. <laughs> I don't know if you could get away with that these days. <laughs> that quote, but uh, uh, and then there was another, the other story that I'd seen recently with Kenny Clark, and uh, game against Motherwell and getting pumped. He puts up the board for who's coming on, and Kenny Clark says to him, What about the guy that's coming off? He says, You pick. <laughs> They've all been awful. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, great character. He was a good manager, just didn't he could work out in Aberdeen. Um, 
as I say. But he was one of those. It was one of those foreign yeah. coaches that came into Scottish football, who didn't sneer at Scottish football, and who actively liked Scottish football, liked the traditions of Scottish football, and who acclimatised to his club and wanted to do well for his club. Um, you know, a few too many times. I think like Paul Le Guin, uh, Pedro Cachinha, um you know the, you know Claude Anelka to really, and have kind of sneered at Scottish football, kind of used it as a kind of experiment almost, and um, but that was never Ebby's style. Yeah. I think it was always honest and it was always passionate. Yeah, certainly is. We we had Phil McGuire on the podcast and he spoke extremely highly of him. Um, said he was a great character. So yeah, sad. I feel now we, we need to like change on something different and see if it was something positive. I don't like to end on a, on a kind of sad or negative note. So, do you see any? What was your goal of the weekend? The mm, four. Just the technique and the. Oh, uh, no. Oh, man, I didn't know we were allowed to. I thought it was just. If it was. Yeah, the roof, if it's. Um, European games are included. Um, you don't see a goal like that often, um, and you know the, the, the beating of the few players first, and then the, the, the strike, um, and then the goalkeeper jumping, um, kind of just to show off that he can jump, um, just added to it all. So yeah, came out roof. Cool. Right. Cheers again, Scott. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. Speak to you soon. <laughs>